you could stand with me. I just feel like the Lord is instructing me that we need to stand while we read his word. While we read the scriptures here. Now I'm going to read John chapter 4 verse 23, but I'm going to give us some context as we read this. That what's happening in this part of this historical account of Jesus' life is that he's speaking to this woman, the Samaritan woman, which was against the rules. It was against the rituals, the religion of the time. And Jesus is speaking to her about worship. And what I love about Jesus is, is that Jesus was willing to allow worship to offend the rules of religiosity. He was calling her into an expression where she could experience the fullness of who he was and understanding who he was, contrary to what culture and society was telling her. And so when we pick up in this part of the passage in verse 23, Jesus is saying to her, I'm going I'm to start in verse 21. Let me back up a little bit. It says, believe me, dear woman, Jesus says, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. Now, I just want to say that worship is given to us, that it can happen anytime and anywhere because of Jesus. No longer is there something that we have to do predicated on the, the environment we're in. Well, you have to be in the four walls of the church to worship. You need to be on the mountain of the movement church. You need to be on the mountain of such and such building. Jesus is saying to us today, January 10th, 2021, that you can worship him in all of his glory and who he is, no matter where you're at, no matter what the circumstance is. We talked about this last week. He says, you Samaritans know very little about the one you worship while we Jews know all about him for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming. Here's the key. Indeed, it is here now when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. And the father's looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Today, the title of my message is actually a question. It's worship matters. Because I want to tell you something. Based on the newsreel of the last week of our lives, the last year, I'm going to propose to us today that worship does matter. But I think we need to answer and get over this question that we have in our hearts. Does, does worship really matter that much? Does it matter? It matters. So today, I want you to turn to somebody. I want, I want you to simply say, as you're taking a seat, I want you to say, worship matters. You better scream from your kitchen upstairs to your kiddos. Text message it if you have to. Worship matters. On our online campus, type in. Just say, worship matters. Let everyone know worship matters. This passage that we just read, it says that we need to worship God in spirit and truth. In fact, it says that God is looking for worshipers that worship in spirit and truth. But I think we need to understand what spirit and truth are. So I'm going to reverse this a little bit, and I'm going to talk about truth first, the truth of the matter. This is the truth of the matter. 
Let's discuss worship. I'm going to just quickly define worship. It's a display of worth, attention, or affection towards someone or something. It's a display of worth, attention, or affection toward someone or something. Now, biblical worship, because I believe we were, I believe we were made to worship something and someone. We were made as worshipers. And I believe we could worship a lot of things around us, but we may not be walking in what I would consider to be biblical worship. So we need to define what biblical worship is. It's the superior display. It's a prioritized display. Of giving worth, attention, and affection toward God Here's the catch. For the sole reason that he is worthy of it all, from all people, all the time. Now, I wish I could tell you that there was a more persuasive, uh, more sensationalized way for me to describe to you why worship matters. In fact, the, the pressure that I feel as a communicator at times, this is me, I'm just being transparent. This is what you're going to get from me, is that I can fall victim to trying to persuade you or trying to give you a real, and forgive the word, but a real sexy appeal, right? We want to make everything, we want to make the word of God, like I don't need to over-sensualize the word of God. Why? Because God is God, he is who he is, he's worthy of our worship, now, we live in a society that maybe, maybe society isn't persuaded by that simple fact, but it is still the truth. And too often times, we can, we can get caught up in what's true, and we don't submit to the truth. So it is true, you can worship a lot of things, but the truth is you were made to worship God and God alone, simply because he is worth all of it, from all his people, all the time. The problem is, is that sin has clouded the picture of worship. Sin has clouded it. When you read through the historical account of humanity and you read when God created man and woman, Adam and Eve, and you look at the fall of Adam and Eve, the fall of mankind because of sin, it didn't remove or eliminate the need or the desire for humanity to worship. It just warped it. How did it warp it? It skewed it. It skewed the perspective. And it turned us from worshipers of God and God alone as the central and God being the centrality of our truth. It warped it into us putting ourselves as the centrality of truth. So Adam was after knowledge and was aware of himself. And in doing so, he had a divided heart. He had divided devotion. The, the, this guy I love, his name's Jeremy Riddle. He describes worship as undivided devotion. So we could have self-centered worship that I'm going to call false worship. And we can have God-centered worship, which is worshiping in truth. False worship answers this key question. What do I want? That is the question that Satan proposed to Adam and to Eve, essentially. What do you want? 
And when they answered that question and they went after it with the central focus of pleasing themselves, they entered into a place of false worship. False worship answers the question, what do I want? True worship, worshiping in truth, answers this key question. What does God want? And it eliminates all other options. God, what do you want? So false worship is self-centered. True worship is God-centered. Let me say that again. False worship is self-centered and true worship is God-centered. Now I want to warn all of us that there is an outcome for false worship, self-centered worship. In James 3.16, it says, for wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition. Do you know what selfish ambition is? It's the answering and the asking of that question, what do I want? And placing that in superior position compared to the question of what does God want? Selfish ambition. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. The word disorder simply means instability, disturbance, or confusion. I want to tell you more than ever, I believe that God has put a word on my heart for us today. Not only for us as individuals, us as a church family, I believe for us as a country, and I would even dare say globally. We are keenly aware right now in the United States of America, the outcome of false worship that answers society's burning question of what's in it for me, what do I want? And we feel the instability, the disturbance, and the confusion And when you see that and when you sense that and when you're feeling that, I want you to now be able to look at that and go, I know exactly what that is. That's false worship. We are no longer answering the question, what does God want? We no longer have God in the center. We no longer are worshiping him in truth that he is worth it regardless of what he does. And too often we predicate our worship and how we give worth, value, affection, and attention to the people around us and to God based on what have you done for me lately. And God is not a, what have you done for me lately, God? He hasn't changed. He is still good. He was good. He is good. And he will always be good. He will always be worthy. Worship matters because worship matters to God. So the outcome, on the flip side of this, the outcome of us submitting our lives in a God-centered, true worship is that we can see stability, peace, and clarity. And we need Stability, peace, and clarity more than ever. In fact, I would say the truth of the matter is we need God-centered worship more than ever. More than ever. 
So that is the truth of the matter. But what's the spirit of the matter? Because it says that we would worship in spirit and in truth. And I love in Romans chapter 12, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So what is worshiping in spirit? It is you offering your physical self, who you are, to God, submitted to him, sacrificed to him. That's what spiritual worship is. It's the very essence of what I was just speaking about. It's asking the question, God, what do you want? I know worship matters to you, God. What do you want? Now I'm going to lay myself down at that. Because I could ask the question and I could never sacrifice myself to that. So spiritual worship is simply the physical offering of who you are. You are the sacrifice. Your ego, my ego is the sacrifice. My agenda is the sacrifice. There's a story, an historical account of Jesus' life. At 30 years old, his ministry was about to begin, and he goes and he finds himself in front of this gentleman named John the Baptist. They called him John the Baptist because he baptized people. It'd be like calling me Pat the Preacher. Why? Because I preach. So John, who baptized people, was John the Baptist. And Jesus comes to him. He happens to be his cousin. And John baptizes Jesus. And it says in this historical account of Jesus' life that he comes up out of the water. When he comes up out of the water, it says the heavens open up. The Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus. And the Father says from heaven, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. Now this is important for us to understand. Because the spirit of the matter is, is that at that moment, the father was bestowing upon Jesus his identity, his right spiritual identity as son. Now I want to tell you, the father wasn't doing this because Jesus was slipping on his understanding of who he was. The father was doing this so that we could understand and we could grab a hold of and we would not slip on our understanding of who we are and what our spiritual identity is. Your spiritual identity is son, is daughter. And everything we do will come from that. How you worship, who you worship will come from that spiritual identity. And right after this occurrence, it says that the Holy Spirit takes Jesus out into the desert and Jesus is fasting for 40 days. So he's hungry and he's tired. Is anybody hungry and tired here? I would suggest to you that society right now has a deep hunger for stability, peace, truth, and clarity. I would propose to you that if we press past the physical and we get to the spiritual, which I have to tell you, we are more guided by who we are spiritually and what's affecting us in the spirit than we are physically most often. 
And so I'm not addressing the physical hunger. Yes, there are people that might be physically hungry. I'm talking about the spiritual hunger right now that society feels. Left empty and, and, and less than satiated as we take enormous gluttonous bites of things that we think will be pleasurable to us but leave us empty, standing naked and aware that we are less than fulfilled. So Jesus finds himself in the middle of the wilderness. He's, he's tired and he's hungry and Satan comes and wants to tempt him and Listen to what he tempts him with. Next, the devil took him to a peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. (laughs) I want you to think about this for a second. Right now, I believe society is proposing to us that we would focus on all of the glory that the world has to offer us and that our answers solely need to come from the world. And Satan says to Jesus, I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and do what? Worship me. Worship matters. And in this case, it worship matters because worship transforms you. It changes you. You will become like the one that you worship. Whoever you fall for, you will ultimately follow. Who are we falling for? Now, I want you to understand the statements that I'm about to make in context of this message. Because if you want to take a soundbite and you want to tweet it or you want to email me about this soundbite, I'm going to tell you, please contextualize what I'm saying. Are we falling for science and that's what we're following? I keep hearing the mantra in society, follow the science. Science does not inform me of God. God informs science. So I'm not discounting science. I'm just saying God is the creator, is the one who, he's the originator. We're just catching up to what he already knows. There's a constant evolving revelation scientifically. Why? Because we're constantly seeing new facets of God as a creator and his creation. And I don't think we're ever going to fully understand. I don't think science will ever fully get to the end of understanding why, because we're never going to see the fullness of God ever. In fact, when we get to heaven, it says in the book of Revelations that we're going to fall down before God as as these worshipers and these creatures with eyes all over their body. Forgive me, I'm jumping out of my notes here. But I got to tell you that what happens in the book of Revelations, there's this, this, this part of Scripture that says when we stand before God, there will be creatures with eyes all over their body. Why? Why is that important to know? As creepy as that sounds to me, why? Because when I have the ability to see, no matter which way I turn, I am always getting a fresh perspective of who God is, no matter where I turn. You know what that's telling me? It tells me that when I worship God, I'm always putting myself in a position of refreshed perspective. So I'm always getting deeper insight and revelation to who God is. That's science. But we're falling for science. So we're following science. Understand contextually what I'm saying, please. Are Are we falling for our political system? 
There are people that are so deeply embattled in following politics and the political system. I have to tell you, it's false worship. We were not meant for it. And if this last election cycle and what's going on in our society hasn't proven to us, it left society hungry. There are individuals who are hungry. No matter what the outcome is, no one wins. That's how I feel. (laughs) Right? Why? Because we've entered into, I believe society, Lord, allow me with humility to receive this word in my own heart as I deliver it. Change me, Lord. I believe that society is at the pinnacle of false worship. Where we have allowed ourselves to fall to our own devices and our own powers and follow those things. Please hear me in context. There is wisdom. There are things we're going to exercise in this world. But we should not be falling to them. We should not be worshiping them. So worship matters because it transforms you and you become like the one that you worship. I love Romans 12. In the message version, the message version is just very plain language that you would probably hear more conversationally. So this is what that same passage says that I just read. In Romans 12, it says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Cause we need, can, can you just turn to somebody and refrain from wanting to slap them? And could you just tell them, God help us. I'm going to tell you, we need God's help. We need God's help. We need his stability, his certainty, his clarity, his peace. We need it. He says, this is what Paul says, take your your everyday, your ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. That's your spiritual worship. I added that. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Notice the focus on God. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture so that you fit into it without even thinking. Can I tell you something really quick? The gospel is not a gospel that says don't think. A lot of times with faith, and especially in the history of, of maybe your experience or you've seen, if you feel like faith 
is being presented to you and telling you to be thoughtless and not to think critically, that is false. That's a false gospel. I want you to know that. Because worshiping in spirit and truth means that you're going to live in the tension of that. We talked about doubt last week. I said, worship while we wait. The doubt is the wait. That takes, that takes thinking. I love what Paul says. Don't just fit into culture and go about doing whatever and quit thinking. Think. Think. Instead, he says, fix your attention on God. You will be changed from the inside out. Worship transform you, and it's an inside-out job. And when we worship God, this inside-out transformation takes place. It changes us. And we begin walking in the fullness of who we were created to be in his image. Paul goes on to say in Romans 12, readily recognize what he wants from you, what God wants, and quickly responds to it. Why? Because worshipers' response is always to the heart of God. A worshiper's response is to the heart of God. He says, unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. When I look at culture, I feel like society in many ways is acting like two-year-olds throwing a temper tantrum in daycare. That's what I see when I turn on media. Can I tell you something? When my worship is based on what I want and it gets out of hand, that's how I act. And perhaps in your humanity, you can, you can see yourself in that statement. In my honesty and my vulnerability to tell you that this is the temptation that Satan gave to Jesus and then he's tempting us with. Throw yourself down like a two-year-old in front of me. Make it all about you. And Jesus says, get out of here, Satan. Because the scripture says, worship the Lord and serve him only. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to this level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. He develops well-formed maturity in you. Warped worship has allowed humanity to take on a false spiritual identity. And we were never meant for it. And it's bringing out less than the best in us as a society. Do you see it? Take an honest assessment. Do you see it? Do you see it in yourself? 
Do you see it as it plays out? And I want to tell you something. I think a lot of people could feel discouraged, can feel like there's no way back. Our best days are behind us, and I want to tell you they're not. Our best days are always before us if we're willing to worship God and place him in the centrality of our purpose of worship. It's because he is worthy all the time to everybody, everywhere. Worship matters because God is worthy. And it will change you. I'm going to have Robert come out. As I wrap up, I have a couple questions for us. I felt like the word that the Lord gave me was, he gave me a picture and it was heartbreaking. And I'm going to tell you the reason it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking for me because I saw myself in it. And this is the picture that I got. I had a picture of humanity, of you, of me, of individuals standing in front of the mirror with a warped lens, looking at themselves and not seeing accurately the best of who God created us to be. Worship matters. Worshiping in spirit matters. Worshiping in truth matters. Why? Because it transforms us. Why? Because we respond to the heart of the Father. And worship matters right now because we need the heart of the Father. And God is calling us back to a heart place of worship. Not of things. Not of people, not of countries. But of him. Simply because he's worth it. And to you, potentially that's the unpersuasive truth, but it is still the truth. Whether you're persuaded or not doesn't change the truth. And you can keep preaching a false narrative. It doesn't change who God is and it doesn't change the truth. So I want us to ask this question and then I'm gonna sing this song and we're just gonna reflect for a second. Ask God to show you where you've been self-centered. Where have you asked the question, what do I want? And you've placed everything before God. And perhaps we need to look at where we're feeling instability, confusion, and disturbance in our life. And in that place, if you're feeling that anywhere, I want to tell you something. There's a really good chance that's where there's a self-centered worship happening, a false worship. Worship matters it will transform you and transform that situation. I want you to write that, that one thing down. And then I want you to do this because you can do anything one time. I'm a believer of this. Write that one thing down. And then I want you to ask God what he wants in that situation. 
Offer yourself as a living sacrifice and say, I'm willing to sacrifice my desires because I want to know what you want. And in doing so, you're going to come back to what I believe is the heart of worship that God is calling our country back to. He's calling all of creation. This is a global cry right now. This is a national cry. This is a, a cry to our state, a cry to our communities. He is calling us back to the heart of worship. And it's simply that we're going to worship you. And God, I'm sorry for what I've, I've turned it into. Spend a few moments. And we're just going to worship for a second as we close.
because it matters to us. Worship matters because it transforms. Worship matters because it releases freedom. Worship matters. And today we worship you simply and solely because you're worthy of everything here. Let us be a a family of individuals made up who are willing to worship you because worship matters, period. Let us walk in humility to be able to worship you because worship matters. And it matters to you. And it changes us. Whatever you need to do in us, Lord, I am saying as an individual, I am saying as a church, God, that you would do what you need to do as we ask this question, God, what do you want? And help us to respond as worshipers to your heart today, Father. And God, I repent for making it about things that really it was never meant to be about. Where we got off course and we need correction, Lord. Thank you 
We worship you this morning in spirit and in truth. And we say to you, amen and amen.